Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight it's really, really a big pleasure because I have Mark Slating together with me. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hey, Greg. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Uh, we met for the first time a few months ago, but then we started chatting, writing, having calls, and I am super happy that you accepted my invitation. You are since long time in the CX world and um, and I'm super happy, super thrilled to speak about customer experience together with you. But as usual, um, I ask my guests to, to do a short introduction, the highlights of your career that people that don't know you get a uh, short overview on your career. Sure. Um, so I started out the first 23 years or so was in sales and sales management. I worked for uh, a for couple of Fortune 500 companies, Standard Register and Boise Cascade Corporation, and uh, decided to strike out on my own um, in, in management consulting role. I did that for about six years Um in the latter part joined a small, very small consulting firm and then um, had a client who was a bank. And then the bank decided they wanted to have a full-time CX person that was internal and internal resource. And the CEO hired me. Um, that was 10 years ago. And last year, I decided to go back into independent consulting uh, and help out uh, empower uh, companies and biz business leaders, CX leaders to turn indifferent customers into loyal fans. So I've been I've been doing that, and and I have a podcast and uh, myself, and just can't wait to have you on my podcast. So that's that's the run up. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> can you please elaborate a bit on on your podcast where we can find it? What's the name of the podcast? Well, sure. Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, it is called the Delighted Customers Podcast, and you can find it anywhere, Apple, Spotify. It's on all the major. Can I guess at some point we'll get to the um, the website, but it's Empowered CX is the name of my company and EmpoweredCX.com. And I have a podcast uh, where you can, a podcast tab where you can reach, get get a hold of all the podcasts. Perfect. And I would suggest the audience to follow your podcast because I'm quite sure that you will delight also my audience tonight. And therefore, please follow Mark's podcast. It's it's really a great one. I listened to several episodes. It's really good, great guest. And therefore, I am super happy to have a, a fellow podcaster together with me. And I think we are not only sharing the, um, the passion for customer experience and for a podcast, but I think we are, are sharing also some values, but I leave it to you to share your values with, with the audience. Well, thank you. Thanks, Craig. I think um, when I think about my values, I think what's important is clearly family. Um, I have my wife, Amanda, and I have five kids and four grandchildren, um, I have a mom still living and, uh, and so family is just critical, uh, to, to me, I think also sort of loyalty. Uh, um, I'm kind of a loyal person to my friends and I, I think they are to me and that's really an important value to me. Um, I like to serve, 
people. So I do, I do certain charity work and also try to do what I can to offer free products and resources in my business uh, because I just have an empathetic rule. And I think also like the golden rule, uh, I do my best, not perfect, but I do my best to treat others. And I think also, I think in the CX world, uh, the platinum rule uh, comes into into play, which is, you know, I, I can see you're shaking your head, but it's it's not necessarily do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but do unto others as as they wish, right? And what they would like and not so much what you would like. And uh, and so that those are things that are important to me. I think there is enough value in what you said. We can conclude the podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, joke aside, but I think the, the audience is also understanding that feeling that we share this value about family, about uh, loyalty, helping helping others. And I think also as a CX leader, we are there as a change agent. And I think this is the topic or the topic that we are going to discuss. The customer, the customer experience leader as a change agent. And perhaps to kick off the discussion and this game, understanding better the, the role of the customer experience leaders. A lot of companies are heavily investing in change, sometimes focusing on the customer, then sometimes they forget to focus on the, on the customer. Uh, What's happening in the field? Because you are active uh, globally. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, for all business, there's been a lot. We've all had a lot of change over the last few years. And uh, from uh, from the pandemic and, and now the economic downturn, and um, there's been so much consolidation, no matter what industry you're in. I know I went through two acquisitions in that during pretty much during the uh, the pandemic. Um, and so when you've got all this change, what happens, I think, for CX leaders whose job really is primarily, in my opinion, cultural transformation, it's hard. Uh, it was hard to begin with, but when we wear so many hats, but it's even it's even harder. Um, so so we're seeing, um, you know, we're seeing some cutbacks. Uh, I'm, I'm on the board of CX, CXPA, the Customer Experience Professionals Association, uh, and uh, and you know we get we get some reporting and so forth, and we're seeing some level of cutbacks in CX roles. Some are being absorbed into other departments. Um, some are being disbanded completely. And those those that are, you know, Forrester did this report, this prediction that one out of five CX programs would disappear by the end of 2023. That's that's a pretty bold statement, um, attention getting statement. But they also said that uh, there's a number of them that will do be even stronger if they if they're doing the right thing. So <clears throat> these are some of the things that we're seeing change. Is that I think with market compression, with uh, economic uncertainty, the the role is even harder for CX leaders and. And people in an organization, whatever, whether they're CX leaders or not, who are trying to make a difference for their customers. I think it totally makes sense. It's really interesting. Also, what you shared, this, this Forrester report saying 20% of the CX program will disappear. It's, it's quite a lot. But on the other side, it's extremely motivating because... If you're doing the right things, then you can continue and you will continue. And this is what Forrester, Forrester is sharing. However, we are discussing about, let's say, about the, the challenges that we have in the six community that have six leaders. Um, what are the biggest challenges that uh, um, customer experience leaders are facing in business? 
<clears throat> I think um, I think it's a bit more of what what it was before the pandemic, but a little bit more of an emphasis on a couple of things. One is, you know, speaking the language of the C-suite. Uh, and, and when I say that, it's really all about bringing value to them. For some of them, it's the ROI of, of CX, um, and it's a numbers thing, and it's quantitative, and there's ways that you can do that. For others, it's it's avoiding risk. Um, I, any large corporation now has a, a risk, a chief risk officer or a risk management program. So it could be that language. Others, it it could be more about, you know, reputation. Um, and, and, and others right now, one of the things is how do we – how do we either, um, you know, provide products or services that are are going to better suit our customers? They may be like if you're a pharmaceutical company, it's a generic brand shift. You know, how do you support that? How do you understand what the customers need? Work with your marketing department. I, I think it's those things, and I think it's also how can you save the organization money? Um, CX is is generally about um, delighting your customers so much that. You know, they come back and they bring their friends and they buy more from you. Uh, but there are also opportunities along the way that you can take unnecessary costs out of the out of the system. So those are things that, you know, as a CX leader, I think you need to pivot to and focus on and listen to what it is that your leaders, especially the key stakeholders, um, are are interested in and respond to those. And I think what you're saying is extremely interesting, and we will elaborate on the on the on the stakeholders. But something that still come back to my to my mind in in your first answer, you said the main target or the the main um, task of uh, of a CX, CX leader it's a cultural change, cultural transformation. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, I think it it took me several years because we wear so many hats. Uh, as, uh, as just from from having gone through it, um, I can empathize with those people who are still going through it is, you know, one minute you are a voice of the customer, you're building out your platform and you're doing surveys and getting insights there. The next minute, you're what we just talked about, proving the ROI of CX. You're spending time building relationships with key stakeholders. You're preparing reports for leaders, senior leaders, uh, and the executive team, I, I, and the list goes on of all the hats you know that you're wearing. Well, it took me a while do, after doing all these things and setting up what I believe was a good basic infrastructure for the organization to realize, well, this is really about change. This is cultural transformation. This is not one. It can't be one department or a pocket of an organization because, the, from the customer standpoint, it's one you. It's one company. It's one brand. So everybody has to be a, a link in the chain that delivers that excellent or outstanding experience to customers. And so that means from end to end, from the time you know your employees and your customers start to the time they're done, um, their experience makes a different and a difference. And so it's it's really everything from you know having what I call a CX roadmap, right? And, 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 and I have, I use, uh, developed a five-step model for a roadmap, which I think every CX leader should have one, doesn't have to be mine, but should have a roadmap that includes where you are now, where you want to be, 
a CX a set of principles and a mission about what your CX experience should be like for your for your customers, um, and then and then have priority projects that are that are placed on this roadmap, so you can be accountable to your leadership as to how you're bringing that value to them, and that you've got a path, and and so th- this transformation is so big. Um, and it's, you know, for me, I think, I think as a CX leader, your role is a change agent. Um, you know, there are change management professional professionals and, and we, we should probably learn more about that with respect to the people who do that. That's not, you know, that that's not what we do completely, but it is an, an important aspect of our job, of our job and understanding that you are a change agent and in all that's involved in in doing in doing organizational transformation and i think what you're saying it's it's really gold dust it's everything that that we need and we are doing and you are as you're saying we are changing hat having different roles and one topic that you mentioned is also stakeholder management stakeholder involvement and perhaps let's deep dive a bit on this topic um i think perhaps it's a bold statement but it's something that i learned also throughout my career without top management support it's quite difficult to progress and perhaps um, how do you get the support of top management yeah, I think um, one of the, one of the things that um, you know, if if any of your listeners are interested, and Greg, you may have one too. I developed a, a key stakeholder. It's sort of a blueprint on how to how to develop a roadmap to for your key stakeholders, and it's a key stakeholder map, and and it's so it starts with you know assessing who are the people that are involved in that, that you need to have a relationship with to get things done. I mean, that's the simplest way to do it. And then, you know, there's a process of saying, okay, are, are these people, you know, where do they fit into four quadrants? Are they high value, high impact? Um, are they people who can facilitate? Are there people who can't really get things done, but they're important because they have a tremendous amount of information that you need? Um, and, and then there are other people who uh, have a lot of, of power and influence, uh, but they may not be right involved in a certain project. So each one of these these different groups needs to be addressed, but in a slightly different way. And then that so that's understanding where they are on this map is the first step. And then the second step, which is ongoing, is how do you build trust with them? And we just had a uh, a webinar. If anyone listening is a member of CXPA, hopefully you've got you got some uh, CXPA members. There is a free uh, resource there. It was a it was a workshop that we did. Um, I think about a month a month ago, late in 2022. That is CX Pro as a change agent, and we had Andrea Howe on the show who wrote the Trusted Advisor Field Book, and we talked about different ways that you can build trust the four components of of uh, of of trust worthiness and and how you can go about that i think the first step is just realizing number one there are key stakeholders you probably ought to spend some time figuring out who they are where they sit how they influence your work as a cx leader and then you know start thinking about how you really can become trustworthy and build those relationships 
Thank you very much. I think you you have a lot of uh, interesting resources that we hope and that I hope that we can find those on your webpage. But we will come to to the contact details because I think this is really uh, interesting, helpful uh, resources, and I think that's what the audience needs: really tangible actions. What I need to do, what I need to take care. What Mark already learned during his career, it's something that he shared again and I can reuse without doing the same mistakes that perhaps we did in our past. And therefore, th thank you very much for, for sharing um, all this, this information. I think we spoke about the top management, but now we need to go also one or two levels down. Um, what's about enge employee engagement? Well, employee engagement, yeah. So that's that's also a big one. That's another hat that we wear, right? So, uh, and and it's like I said before about customers. It's end to end the experience, the end to end experience. So even before they become customers, to even after they leave us, um, hopefully they'll come back at some point. But it, there are good reasons that customers leave us, and there are some customers that don't really fit our niche. So that happens. Well, employees, so. Um, it really is the employees who are, for the most part, delivering this outstanding experience or whatever you want to call it to our customers. So the same thing, it's end to end. It's from before they even join your organization. What are they seeing and reading out there on your website, for example, or hearing from your recruiting you know, frontline. Um, then when they go through the process of interviewing, what are they hearing about what the job's going to be like? How are they treated as, a, as an employee? And then once they get signed up, you know, what's the onboarding process like? Do you have an orientation that has, you know, carved out segment to let them know about what the customer experience is like um, and what uh, the expectations might be for them and what their role in contrib contributing to a remarkable uh, customer experience, or what career opportunities they might have. Uh, so, so, it, it involves um, all of that because what we're talking again about is cultural change. And for me, I looked at it this way. I looked at it as, you know, we had uh, when, when I uh, sometime around the time I was several years and we had about a thousand employees where I worked. Um, there ended up being more than that by the time I left. But so I, I considered it a thousand light bulbs going off, you know, one at a time. And when that light bulb goes on, it, it doesn't turn off easily. I mean, it really just stays on. And, you know, that, that idea of an employee who gets it, who gets customer experience, who realizes it's, you know, it's bigger uh, than, than just them. And it ultimately, it helps them with all the things they want to accomplish, job security, promotions, all those things. Uh, and most of the people who come on board really want to serve. They, they really want to do a good job for their customers. They either don't have, you know, the tools, they're not empowered to make decisions. There are, there are issues with silos between departments. We, we can talk all about the challenges, but most people really want to do it. And, uh, and so if it's part of your culture, if it really is something that's critical, then every employee should, you know, feel this is what we do. This is a way of, of how we work. Thank you. I think this is extremely important because at the end, if we are our employees, if we are people, then we trust them and then we should really trust them that they are working in favor of our customer, of older employees and 
I think I don't know really a lot of people that go every morning to the job and I say, I want to disrupt my business or to do bad things. That's that's not possible. Nobody would do that. And therefore, it, it totally makes sense. But you mentioned something that it's also relevant. And you mentioned silos. And there, I think it's also relevant. All these departments that they have different targets and often they, are, they have concurring targets. Perhaps do you have some ideas, some practices how to break silos? Yeah, well, I think I think um, you know I mentioned some of the challenges, and it's really important to understand what your specific challenges are. In the case of silos, um, we we did something back around 2017, 2018 called the Year of Empathy, and. And a lot of that was to really empathize with the customer and their experience, but empathize with other employees. So um, there's two things that come to mind. During that year, we did something called the WITS workshop. W-I-T-S stood for walk in their shoes. And so we had, you know, uh, uh, three people and we did with this with every employee in the organization. We had 37 different groups come through and three people would sit and we'd rotate, basically role play a scenario, a case study. And they didn't, they didn't sit in their role. Like they sat in someone else's role and worked through the role play and had to problem solve. That was a, that was an interesting, you know, um, instructional design, and a lot of light bulbs did go off, you know, for people as what, you know, how it impacts the customer, how some decisions get made internally, how what it's like to, to be on the other side of that when you, so that was one thing. Also in the year of empathy, we had something called a team exchange. You, you were asking before about practical, how to kind of things. So the team exchange is one of the easiest things we did, except for some clerical stuff, which was joining two teams together, which would be two departments that uh, tended to work together, but really didn't get to know each other other than over the phone. And so we, the whole purpose of it was to meet each other socially uh, in, an, in a non-work environment, just a brief explanation of what your department's mission is. And, uh, and then we got to say, what's, what's something interesting you like to do outside of work? You know, what are some of your hobbies? What are some fun things you like to do? Oh, you like to, you know, you have a kid in swimming. I have, we live at the, at the pool. So you get to know people as human beings and break down those silos. And boy, that is one way to, to really work together um, and get to know each other. The other, the other thing I was going to mention is, um, and you may, you may ask me about it, so I'll stop me, but the, the initiative we had called Meeting in a Box. I think this is something I would love to to hear about, and I already had the pleasure to to listen to to that to what you shared in in other podcasts. But you forgot to mention that you are an award winning uh, transform cultural transformer, and you you did this uh, meeting in a box. Could you please elaborate a bit on that and take the time to it because I think this is really something outstanding, mind blowing. You can define. <laughs> We are, well, however, how you want, but it was really, uh, from my point of view, really a great, great initiative. What I what I love about meeting in a box, and thanks for, thanks for saying that. And yeah, for 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 meeting in a box, uh, which was I think in 2014 was designed and implemented. 2015, we won the CX Innovation Award. 
three years later, the the year of empathy, which I just described, some of the things that we did during that year, we also won. We also won the CX Innovation Award. But meeting in a box helped the year of empathy. And I'll, I'll explain what it was and why it was developed. First, why it was developed. It was developed for silos. That was definitely one of the issues. It was developed to educate our employees. That's one of the first things. What is customer experience? And this is not too long after when customer experience actually became a popular word, you know, so, so they didn't know what we meant by that. Oh yeah. Customer service. Yeah. We have a contact center, right? No, not exactly. Um, so education, um, um, meeting in a box was, so we had issues with silos. We had, um, opportunities for people to, Think about how to link their role, their job to the customer, right? Because some of them, we were in a bank, so it was audit, regulatory management, legal. How do you connect what I do to the customer? So that was a big part of it. So meeting in a box was really a simple design. And, and it was essentially, or it's called meeting in a box because initially there was a physical box, and in that box was uh, 12 folders, one for each month of the year. Inside of each folder, we would publish a one-page facilitator's guide. And originally, it was the managers who would facilitate discussions with their teams. Now, what was the content? The content of those, we work with our learning and professional development team and uh, came up with a plan for the year, each year. So that year and each subsequent year, there was going to be like a theme for the year. And it we built in some flexibility if we have life events, world events, you know, so we, we, we could go off course if we needed to. But essentially, it was a communication vehicle on a monthly basis that every department and therefore every, every employee, and I will tell you, it's, it wasn't every employee, but more than half of our employees did this every single month. And from the time I, I left, which was from the time we started, it was about eight years. So it kept going. Um, because you could then insert whatever topics you wanted. It was designed to augment your monthly or a monthly team meeting, right? It was once a month. You had it, you could fit it into your schedule, whatever time during the month, we would publish it out of the CX department. And so it might be, it might be something like, what are customer ex? What are, what are expectations? Ex setting expectations. How does that impact the customer experience? When you tell them the home equity line will be done in twenty five days, and another another manager says it'll be thirty five days, how are we setting these expectations? And and it, and if it's actually thirty days on average, so then what's what's happening there, and why is it happening? Um, so that would be one example. We had. June, July, and August uh, a couple of years ago was diversity, equity, and inclusion, what it meant, how it applied. And so these would be, there would be, and sometimes we had videos. We had video skits that were done by employees that were sort of case studies. We could put whatever we wanted into the meeting in a box. And um, and we and we had we had the the employee survey. We had the employee survey, we had announcements about why it's important. They took the survey after the survey was done. Uh, there were global results for the whole enterprise, and then there were local results within their division or area that they got to see. The meeting in a box was discuss the results as a team and develop an action plan that was due, you know, 
that had to be approved by the manager that was due by a certain date by the next meeting in a box. So the managers liked it because we could uh, use it to serve their business goals. And, and we liked it because we got to educate on customer experience and employee experience because they were kind of evenly split um, each year. And it's something anybody can do. Ultimately, it became all digital um, because we needed need to get these boxes around, but it was a good way to launch because it was physical and tangible. Uh, thank you very much. I think it's yeah. it's super interesting. And, and the thing that I really like is often the customer experience team or departments are small teams. And you often try to go to all the people and to explain and these and that and so on. And how you structure that? You outsource the task of explaining the things and going through the things because of this box. And therefore, I think that's that's really helpful because it means you don't need to go to everybody, but uh, you involved uh, all all the employees, all the managers who are doing that. And this is, I I really like that. And I think it repeating that every month, it's a, it's a good time frame to speak about topics, to discuss about topics. It's not too much. It's not too less. And even better if it went throughout all the, all these years. Yeah, Greg. And a couple of things is one, and so if you think about it as centrally developed, centrally designed, but locally implemented, locally delivered. So they got to talk about how the topic affected their department, right? So it was relevant to them and the managers, great opportunity for the managers to bring up, you know, issues that don't ordinarily come up. But as a team, they could talk about these. Sometimes they were hard things. We spent time talking about what is empathy. During the year of empathy, we defined empathy. We talked about how we could be more empathetic to one another. The other thing is I mentioned that um, the guides that we developed, the one-page facilitation guide, sometimes there were attachments, little supplemental things like a like a guide or a model or something, a framework or a definition. Um, but it evolved to where the manager would rotate the facilitation of that meeting to someone else. And we had an experienced champions group that was a group that um, learned about CX in a more a deeper way, who had an interest, more deeper interest, stayed together for eight to 12 months, got a certificate, graduated from that program. Well, once they graduated, unless someone else was coming up through that program, they were going to be facilitating uh, the meeting in a box. And as a manager, you could have someone who you were thinking about, you know, promoting or that's, you know, candidate for promotion and and give them a leadership professional development opportunity by leading their meeting in a box. It's a low risk thing. It's a fun thing. And so it, it, it afforded a professional development opportunity. Thank you. I, I would like to spend much more time discussing with you, but we need to check uh, the timing. And we spoke about best practices. And now perhaps let's jump in the future. It's 10 years from now. We are back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Uh, what we are discussing about? Yeah, so I think I think the framework um, is not going to change a whole lot. Um, we talk about things like customer insight and understanding, design, uh, implementation, innovation, CX strategy, you know, metrics, measurement, um, leadership, and accountability. Those things are going to stay the same. I think the way that the kinds of things we'll be talking about will be a little bit different. For example, right now we're using electronic surveys through email. That's 
you know, very, very popular. It's low cost. It provides some good information. It provides us the ability to do a closed feedback loop and deal with any, any uh, hot issues. But we're already starting to see some early adopters move into using AI, using un- getting unstructured data and feedback, like, for example, through the one example is through the call center, where you can use voice analytics and find common phrases and have the computer crunch that data and say, hey, these are the top three things that customers are, are really love. And these are the top three things that are demotivators. You know, what can we do? So I think I think that's one thing. I think also in regard to that, we could engage customers with more co-creation of products and services, right? Um, I think it will be easier to get their involvement. I think um, we we can, with the help of technology, we can get it quicker, faster, more accurately, iterate a product and get closer to, you know, what, and this is going to be really important, what your ideal or your high value client is interested in. So, and then you'll get better at that is deciding who are, you know, our most valuable clients, the ones that are most loyal, refer people, are willing to buy more product and more forgiving. All those things will have way more intelligence about that. So we're talking about, about that. I think also <clears throat> because um, there's going to be a shift in fewer human interactions. A bad example of that is these bots that the chat bots <laughs> right now that are out there that aren't for the most part, aren't doing a good job of satisfying customer needs. They're, they're reducing cost for the uh, short term cost for the companies, but, uh, usually people want to have a live conversation. So those companies who can strategically have human to human contact 10 years from now, uh, it's almost like writing a handwritten note, you know, now as a sales professional to a client, it's so rare. It used to be the way everything was done. And now it's so rare that it's a special thing. I think that human to human contact, it's a higher cost channel for a company to interact, but there is an opportunity used wisely to differentiate. So I think that brand differentiation, product service differentiation, those companies that don't rely solely on AI, those companies that over-rotate on, on AI, machine learning, et cetera, are going are gonna to have a rude awakening because at the end of the day, human beings are human beings. And by their very definition, they're unpredictable. Um, there are things that affect human beings like we don't we don't know the outcome, but you can, I'm not going to say, I was going to say the outcome of the Southwest Airlines uh, problems they had around Christmas. We don't know the the long term outcome of that. They obviously took a hit, but there there are companies that re- can recover from a a reputational risk thing, and others that they can't. And those are human things, you know. That uh, <laughs> how can a computer measure that? You know. So I think the wise companies will use AI to leverage their the frameworks that we talked about. Uh, and not rely as the AI as their primary source of decision-making, but to augment what, you know, their human intellect and and experience tells them. Thank you very much, Mark. We are coming to the end of this game, but in the extra time, I still have three questions in the last three minutes of this game for you. Uh, Is there a book that helped you during your career or during your life? 
Well, in my, in my career, um, I would say, uh, the chief customer officer 2.0, because I was Gene bliss wrote that and I was in it. Um, I did, I was featured as we did a little case study on uh, actually on this topic of building relationships with key stakeholders are, are C-suite. So I, I, she asked me to do a little case. So that was a great book because she goes through, you know, the case for a CEO to hire a chief customer officer. Um, another another book is Winning on Purpose that just came out from Fred Reicheld. And uh, that that's that's a up to date. Uh, he talks about Net Promoter 3.0. He was, as you know, the creator of Net Promoter. So um, those are a couple of, of important books. Thank you very much. And uh, what's the best way to contact you? So the best way to contact me is um, you can go to Empowered, and that's with an E-D, EmpoweredCX.com, or you can reach me at Mark Slayton, and that's S-L-A-T-I-N, at, on LinkedIn, uh, and love to connect and, and speak. Also, I'm, we mentioned at the top the Delighted Customers podcast. Um, that is a great way. And also, if you go to the website, there's a uh, experience maturity assessment that's free. So if you want to see where you, your company or organization is now, you can go there as well. Thank you very much, Mark. And now the really last question. It's Mark's golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would leave to the audience. I think, um, I think one of the things that is going to be most important if you're trying to enrich the lives of, of customers is um, Fred Reicheld, uh, it has something he calls the miracle wheel. And that is the wheel, you know, of your organization that, that enriches the lives of customers and turns out customers that love you. They, they they love your brand. And to me, um, we talked about this earlier is have a roadmap, have the discipline of having a roadmap of saying, you know, here's where we are. Cause we're, we're always progressing. Hopefully we should be progressing. And then what's the next right step in each one of these areas that we need to do. Um, it, it's just really important to have that discipline. And then just to go along with that perseverance, cause it's just, I've been told so many times when I was, when I was at, uh, the bank where I worked that you have the hardest job in the organization. And I, I'm, I would probably argue with that, that the CEO and other uh, executives have really tough jobs, but it is a really tough job. And I, I empathize with all the CX leaders out there who are making a go of it. Keep, keep pushing, keep persevering. Uh, you can and, and do make a difference in the lives of your customers. Thank you. That was Mark's golden nugget. I'm not allowing myself to comment that. The only thing that I can say is thank you very much, Mark. And thank you, Greg, so much for having me. I, I so appreciate it. You're an awesome guy. Thank you. Uh, please, Mark, stay with me to the audience. It's everything. We know that feedback is a gift. We are happy to get your feedback. Contact Mark or contact me, please. Feel free to contact us. Thank you very much. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you!